Hi, and welcome back to the Council of Fathers podcast. I'm Noah Goldstein. I'm Dave Boniuto. And we are here to talk about all things fatherhood. A lot of things fatherhood. A lot of things fatherhood. Today, we are continuing uh, with the final episode of a four-part series called The Principles for Fatherhood. I'm sort of both excited and, and a little bit sad because, you know, when you finish a really good book or a really good movie, then it's over. It's over. Or a series. Oh, man. Oh, when, you're, when your TV series is over. I only hope that comparison is in any way, shape, and form um, a, a fitting here. That people, besides just us, feel sadness that... This series is coming to an end. The good news, Noah, is there's more episodes. There's more episodes. Lots more. There's going to like be life, interviews. Right? You close something, grieve it, and then you live into the next thing. It is. That is definitely what life is like. I feel better now. Me too. Thank you for that. Thank you. All right. It is uh, part four. Part four. So we did the first three. Then we did four through six. Yep. Then we last time we did seven through nine. Mm-hmm. And today must mean principles 10, 11, and 12. That's pretty much how numbers work. <laughs> like like uh, in order? Yeah. Chronology, you might call it? You might. Okay. All right. Um, Didn't know I was in the presence of a mathematician. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I can count to 12, so. Okay, enough delay? Enough banter. Though I like it. I feel like it's 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 lighthearted and jovial, mm. which is tied Relevant. to one of these principles. Relevant, yeah. doesn't it? Well, what's principle number 10? Principle number 10 is to manage yourself, not others. Mm. That sounds a little loaded. All of these principles uh, are loaded in in some way or another. But can I just sort of kick us off with what I was thinking when when I wrote this? I would love you to. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. You ever read a book for the second time and you feel like it's a totally different book? Yeah. I had this experience. There's a book called Passionate Marriage by David Snarch. And I read it probably about 15 years ago and was not married and did not have children and was just interested in relationship and sort of, you know, ways to think about relationship, intimate relationship. And then 15 years later, I have two children and I'm in a a marriage since 2009. 13 years? Yeah almost and i reread the book Mm. and it was like it was like i had never read it before is that because you forgot everything or it's because the reader's different you know like i'm looking through different lens i've got all this experience that i didn't have in terms of relationship and with both my kids and my wife and there's two things that really landed for me when i read it this time There's this exercise that he talks about in the book called hugging to relax. Mm. And, and, 
you know, the first time I read it, I, I just thought, okay, that's a way that couples can, you know, help each other relax and seems like a good practice. And I think that's true as far as it goes. Like that seems like a sweet thing to do. But when I reread it, I realized that he's talking about self-soothing. Hmm. And that as an experiment, when you hug your spouse or your child and you stay there long enough, you can feel your body. I mean, you can imagine mm -hmm. it right now, right? Mm -hmm. You can start to feel your body relax in connection with someone, mm. right? And so I realized, oh my God, he's talking about how much is triggered in us in intimate relationships, right? Like the closer someone is, the more we care about them and the more access they have to our triggers and, and to, and to mm. awaken emotion in us, to mm -hmm. elicit emotion in us. Positive and negative. Totally. But it's like the closer the relationship, the higher the stakes. Mm. And that this exercise is really about how do you work with your nervous system in relationship, mm. you know? And that was big for me because it doesn't just apply to relationship, right? I started thinking, yeah, throughout the day, you talk about this exercise in, in Council of Fathers around 50-50, like having 50% of one's attention internally and 50% mm -hmm. while you're listening to someone and and so I just these all these opportunities we have to uh, work with our own emotions and and feelings and nervous system in the moment the go-to is to try and control the environment mm -hmm. right this anxiety arises in me I can move away from it try and change what's happening but self-soothing is about working with what's happening internally in order to be in relationship with my my wife and kids and i i hear the way that is um self-centric in, in a positive way right it's not you're taking care of yourself instead of trying to make others adjust themselves so that you can feel better. So, you know, if my wife would stop holding me accountable, I wouldn't feel so much disappointment with myself for not following through on things. So maybe I could get angry at her and ask her to stop holding me accountable, or I could feel into all of those feelings of shame and disappointment and frustration with myself, around myself, and deal with that in, in a more productive way, right? Like, is that kind of what you're pointing to? Yeah. Yeah. If the kids would just get in the car, then I wouldn't feel so anxious about getting them to school on time. <clears throat> That's true. And... How do I, you know, rather than managing them, how do I manage my own internal, my internal um, world 
uh, and, and particularly we're talking here about the nervous system. You know, how do I work with myself when I'm uh, feeling a little dysregulated, you know? Mm. Another example is my, my son, this was, he's nine now, Rafi's nine, but this was a few years ago. He was having a hard time falling asleep and it was hard for us. It was really frustrating for, for Rach and I to, to sit with him and, and watch him be so anxious about falling asleep. It was like this anxiety about being anxious. You know, he, he was worried about not being able to fall asleep, you know, the layers of worry. And I was really proud of Rach. She came downstairs and said, I can't do it. I got to, I got to tag out which we should have a whole podcast oh, on, right. you know, like asking for help mm-hmm. is such a courageous and effective skill. Anyway, I went up and he was really worked up and I just sort of, I was whatever, I had the right amount of sleep and caffeine and <laughs> exercise and whatever. And, and I was feeling pretty, I was managing my, state pretty well and I just looked at him and I said hey buddy go to sleep you know and something about him was willing or something about that moment he was willing to lay down and try again Mm. and I bring that up because he it's something about going through that that allowed him he had to self-soothe in order to fall asleep and that's the skill. That's the managing oneself that we're getting at. It's like he was able to do that because he was able to work with his internal state, you know, and fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, that example resonates extremely because Netta, our seven-month-old, we, we just went through a process of sleep training her, and it, it was kind of a similar thing where we had to let her feel some of the whatever it was that she's feeling and we can't put names on it like anxiety in the same kind of way because she's seven months old but letting her process and figure out how to fall asleep learn teach herself essentially and you know we we would let her know every five minutes like you're safe we love you we're here good night you know you're gonna figure this out and and she did and there were one or two nights where it was it was difficult but what was more difficult on those two nights was our feelings of oh my gosh you know like all the stories are we abandoning her are we she is this okay is you know and then realizing like now she knows how to go to sleep for a nap for bedtime she, she knows how to do that and that it's you know of course you have to deal in these things in an age appropriate nervous system appropriate kind of way but like you know just recognizing you can be a little bit uncomfortable for a little while and it it, it, it's okay and you know you know that that we love you and that we care about you and that we would never let anything bad happen to you right even at seven months she can understand that and you know and i i just have to give a shout out here to janet lansbury and oh, I can't remember the author of that other book, but I'll put it in the show notes, who really helped us 
kind of figure this all out yeah so yeah and regardless you know there's there's different feelings about you know sleep training out there there's different techniques and all that but i think what the point that you're making is that your hope is to help netta learn to self-soothe and in order to do that you and rach had to Mm self-soothe i feel like i want to remind everyone that you and i are married to women with the same name yeah we might have to remind people (laughs) frequently um exactly yeah that we had to deal with that discomfort of listening to our daughter cry and and i love you know the word deal right like and Mm. even maybe manage isn't the best word you Mm. know but like we're not you and i aren't talking about white knuckling we're not talking about Mm. uh grinning and bearing which is something i think we're taught countlessly growing up to suck it up Mm. that's different from being with something difficult sitting through it and calming yourself down through it right we're talking about a skill i'm calling it self-soothing that's what david snarch calls it you know but i'm really picturing not trying to get rid of a feeling by by controlling your environment Mm -hmm. and rather being willing to sit with a feeling while working with your own nervous system Mm -hmm. calming yourself down Mm -hmm. seems to be a really important skill for both being a kid and being a parent yeah I mean, since we're on the topic, I do think that, like, just maybe some tangible examples of self-soothing, like, self-talk can be, we can we all are familiar with our negative self-talk, but, you know, we can use self-talk as a way to self-soothe, right? I can do this, everything's going to be okay, just kind of helping yourself work through I can handle these feelings. Breathing is another good self-soothing technique that comes to mind for me. Like, okay, you know, taking deep breaths, trying to slow breathing down. Um, and then the other one I, I often go into is like, is just shaking out, shaking out my body. Just dogs do this a bazillion times a day and just sort of standing up and shaking and breathing. Yeah. Do you have anything else that comes to mind in terms of like, since we're on the topic, I feel like it's only fair if we make some suggestions here. Yeah. The one that I guess comes to mind is sort of like remembering what's most important in the moment, which I think comes with practice and it's similar to self-talk, but it's almost like a a perspective taking, being able to um, Mm -hmm. remember that I am not my emotions that are arising i am not these thoughts that are popping up i am watching these thoughts and emotions come through in the moment and i I do think that that has taken me a lot of practice to get there but it definitely provides a little bit of wiggle room a little bit of space to have attention Mm -hmm. on my nervous system not just be caught up in the thoughts and emotions yeah that i mean yes so i'm hearing you describe sort of like a mindfulness practice in a way just observing being with it 
without trying to change it. Yeah. Um, but not being uh, like in it and totally merged with it. Yeah. With the feeling, right? It's like when you can, there's those moments when we're totally like, we're just being the anger in a hundred percent, right? That's when we sort of lose control. And I say we, but I'm talking about myself versus like feeling, oh my gosh, there's a lot of anger in my system, you know, and I, and I can feel it, but I'm also like watching it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with self-soothing and uh, working with your nervous system in the moment, there's an aspect of intentionally placing my attention on something, right? Maybe that's the same as observing, but I'm just right now I'm sort of talking but i'm also my i'm placing my attention on my back and my shoulders and my ex my experience in the moment you know sort of the, yeah. the 50 50 thing you talk about it's like intentionally paying attention to my inner process uh-huh. is in and of itself uh, a self-soothing mechanism right you know right it helps integrate the nervous system so I, I, um, I recognize that we're spending a good deal of time on this one. And I, I want to, there's one other piece to this whole manage yourself or just a story actually. Tell, us, I, tell us a story. Tell us no. a story. Well, this goes back to before Rachel and I had kids, the, it was my last year of grad school and her first year of grad school. So we we're both in grad school at the same time for this one year. It was a really stressful year for all. I mean, we're adjusting to being married in a new home together. We had roommates. We were getting into a lot of fights, like big, ugly fights. And there were a couple of behaviors that I had that were leading to some of these fights. One of them was I was actually, I would actually lie to Rachel these small you know arguably like did you walk the dog oh yeah and and I I don't even know why did yes come out of my mouth when she asked that knowing that I didn't but you're like who said that you know or and and the other thing was that I would say I was going to do something and then I, I wouldn't actually follow through on it and and you could we, we could get granular and say well I didn't say when I was going to do it but the point is is I said I would take the trash out the trash wasn't out and like this was this was a big big thing and so we were fighting a lot and I and, and I was like oh well we should go to couples counseling right that's that's the solution we're fighting with each other we should go to a couples counselor makes sense and she said no you need to go to a therapist to deal with your shit. And and I did. And I was a little bit skeptical that me doing my own work without us doing our work together, right, in partnership could lead to changes. But it but it did. And um I can't go into all the details of or at least not right now, given our timeline and whatnot. But it was a really, it was a really powerful and empowering um, experience for for me in terms of dealing with. And I, I sort of alluded to to it before, but like dealing with the uncomfortable feelings of being held accountable and 
learning learning how to yeah do a better job around that and owning owning these places where i was not showing up the way i wanted to be showing up the way my partner needed me to show up and rather than like blaming it on the relationship right managing myself not the relationship right like yeah nice yeah i love that yeah sometimes sometimes the answer is working on something together right sure i didn't want to like say that there's never a time and a place for a couple to go together to couples counseling but 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 sometimes probably all the time there is something in there for for me right turn the turn the w upside down you know from we to me yeah and uh yeah i love he says you know that he he says we should stop working on our marriages and let our marriages work on us Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's a beautiful way i think to be in relationship to use our relationships as as feedback and Mm -hmm. and not in a heavy-handed way not like you know we have to be really careful not to be judgmental with that you know like Mm. when stuff comes up in relationship the hope is like oh good now i got something to work on rather than oh i still am not perfect (laughs) you know that's not so helpful yeah well, there's much more to be much said. Much more to be said about that. But we have another principle in the queue just waiting for us to unpack, you to tell- let out of the bag. You Okay. So number 11 is there's more to your brain than you think. Ain't that the truth? More to the brain than you think. Do you, you- want me to <laughs> you look at me like... Um, I can I can dive in in on this one first. So, first of all, I think it's it's almost loaded that that we we go in with this more to your brain than you think, because yeah, your brain houses your emotions in addition to all of your sensorial input and and output and. And we have a tendency in our culture to live as thinking creatures and forget that we have bodies or that our bodies like take us from one place. You know, they're they're about bringing our brain around um, <laughs> a vehicle. And then often we don't consciously experience our emotions. How often do you ask someone like well you know how do you feel about that and then they tell you a story they they start Mm. to talk they they tell you thoughts they might even say well i think right right in response to how do you feel yeah or they'll say i feel like this is bullshit right right right, right. okay so you feel angry or you know but and and so to me a big part of this principle has to do with integrating more of ourselves into our lived experience which Mm. includes learning about exploring feeling into our emotions in a more full way because emotions are actually driving a lot more than our behaviors 
than we want to maybe acknowledge mm. and, and a lot more of our decisions right yeah we think we thought through this in a rational logical way right but we uh, there were emotions driving that thinking process and and then our brains also in, integrate all of our bodily experiences right and so i think that also can be a huge source of information around what we want and need and how we can respond to a situation yeah one of my favorite authors as you know is is james hollis he's mm-hmm. a he's a jungian author and uh, he says that the the conscious thinking mind he calls it a, a a thin wafer on a vast iridescent sea mm. you know and that that imagery is is stunning to think that the way we generally walk around perceiving the world and our thoughts and our beliefs and the way we sort of frame the world is such a small percentage mm-hmm. of the mind's capability there's so much that we're unaware of and one message in that is humility like mm-hmm. i don't got it all figured out you know and so uh leaving room for i might have a couple blind spots here and there <laughs> but also how much unseen potential mm-hmm. there is all of a sudden an insight pops up or all of a sudden an understanding or an idea i love that that we aren't limited to our thinking Mm. either right there's this huge uh vast sea of possibility and potential within us that gives me hope and and excitement about Mm -hmm. the day what what's gonna come up today you know Mm -hmm. and and in in parenting one trap is thinking i i have it figured out getting locked into my view as a father but you know to relax a little and think hey there's there's some stuff in me that i'm I'm, i don't even know that comes out and i'm like hey i handled that pretty well (laughs) like there's there's hope out there there's um we're we're greater than we think as dads Mm. i think that's important to remember yeah when i was becoming a father for the first time i I contacted my dad and I said, hey, dad, do you have any advice? Really put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. He said something like, you know, son, only 5% of what you do as a father is important. But you never know which 5%. <laughs> so you got you to give it your all. And it, it sort of reminds me of mm-hmm. that. Like, I think there's some wisdom in both the humility and the sort of hope around there's more to this than you think. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I think one of the things that has helped me maybe expand my understanding of my brain or, you know, experience of life has been altered states of consciousness, right? Whoa. We're going there? Well... (laughs) So that <laughs> how far down I'm the sure, rabbit hole are we going? I'm sure that brings up a lot of things for a lot of people, but um, specifically, I'm I'm speaking of the altered state of consciousness that I experience that arises within me when I get acupuncture, um, and I'm 
an acupuncturist by trade and so I get a lot of acupuncture and I've gotten a lot and there's something about like the energetic shifts that happen that uh, allow I think more access to the subconscious and that stabilize my nervous system in a way that allows me to dip into things that might otherwise overwhelm me. And so um, there are other ways of altering our states of consciousness, whether it's drum beats or entheogens. Um, and we could maybe devote a, a more talk to that at some point. But um, yeah, I just felt worth, worth mentioning because if we are talking about the brain and the nervous system and there yeah. being more to it than you think, then... Yeah. Well, and you mentioned meditation and dreams mm -hmm. and these ways in which we can accelerate the access or learn from that vast sea. Certainly, therapy is a place where I gain so many insights seemingly out of out of nowhere just from dialogue coaching is another place right. where um people tend to have aha yeah. wow so many ways to to access and I, I think another way that we talk about helping people get clear on their purpose that's another loaded term but this maybe intuition uh, some voice inside that that gnawing reminder that I'm there's something I'm here to do and and when I get closer to it I, I feel aligned and when I move away from it you know we mm -hmm. we tend to help people get clear on their values as one way to mm -hmm. move towards that all these ways in which that are beyond the thinking mind that are that's accessible and so helpful as a so helpful. as a dad yeah Okay, should we move on to uh, principle number 12? Which is, we saved for last because, of course, it is the most important The most important. Principle. I didn't want it. The other 11 are, are important, but this is the most important, it's wouldn't also, you say? This, I would also say it's the most serious, the heaviest. It's very serious. Yeah. yeah sit down, people. If you're, if you're walking you or know, doing dishes or yeah, this is driving, this you is might want to pull over. This is big. Principle number 12, there's no such thing as a bad dad joke. Hmm. Hey, Noah. Yeah. What do you call a bear with no teeth? A toothless bear? A gummy bear. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. What, is a, what does a baby computer call his father? Data. 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 Get uh, it? Get it? What type of hat does a camera wear? Tell me. What kind of hat does a camera wear? A lens cap. <laughs> <laughs> lens cap. Oh, man. Should we just keep going for the rest of the... No. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we could. We could. But I think the point here, you know, when, when we wrote this, there's no such thing as a bad dad joke is, you know, how important humor is to, to parenting. Yeah. Like whimsy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like we can be so serious about our lives sometimes. Yeah. 
and there's there's plenty to be serious about i mean you know the world's kind of messed up you know and and yet my fondest memories of my father as a kid are are making him laugh you know or Mm -hmm. like reading the funny papers with him or Mm -hmm. yeah watching something funny and i just i have a felt sense of him laughing Mm -hmm. and me laughing with him and there's a message in there about life sometimes it's sort of like modeling he modeled for me that life can be just joyful yeah you know there's there's joy in laughing and And connectivity totally yeah what a connecting with joy Uh right yeah and then all how useful humor can be as a father whoa things are getting intense in here let's lighten things up you know a little self-deprecating humor goes a long way yeah right little stumble fall like good uh slapstick physical humor yeah can shift my kids out of whatever state of consciousness they're in yeah they're fixated on something it can shift me sometimes i i'll get so serious and then i sort of look down on myself and i'm like dude lighten up and you know i and i can just bust out laughing in the middle of dinner and like you feel this relief in the air you know yeah yeah i love having tickle parties those just it's just it's also a catharsis actually you know like there's a way in which laughter something i get a lot from my kids is are are you laughing or are you crying right because there's a similar (laughs) nervous system level kind of thing going on there but i just think that it it's it's a release it's and it's a way of connecting and it's something that that comes from the heart and it does brighten and and connect i think in chinese medicine we have these phrases around how different emotions what their impact, their emotion, energetic motion is. And they say that laughter scatters the chi, right? So when we're serious and everything's dense and, and hard and heavy, right? Mm. Laughter kind of whoosh, gets it moving and opens it up. Oh, and cool. Disperses that, that yeah. density. And yeah. You can feel that. Yeah. That's sweet. It yeah. is. The other thing that I love about dad jokes in particular, I was thinking about like the difference between a dad joke uh-huh. and like a Jerry Seinfeld joke is dad jokes are imperfect. Uh-huh. You know, they're not, they're not like polished and there's sort of this response to it like, uh-huh, yeah, very funny. And I like that. It's not like even the joking we could take too far and, and try to make it a perfection project. right. right. But, but this is just levity. Like how many how many tickles do you think it takes to make an octopus laugh? Tell me. Ten tickles. <laughs> ten tickles. Because <laughs> he's got ten. No, uh, he has eight arms, but it's tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, well, what do you call someone? <laughs> <laughs> what do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. <laughs> oh. Which which days are strongest? Um, Saturday and Sunday. The rest are weekdays. Uh. Uh, 
yeah that's the kind that's of that's a bad joke right there. Yes. you're like oh it's not yes. funny but <laughs> but but it's light yeah 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 i think dads have this great potential and opportunity to to bring humor to relationships and you know humor is just such an important when you talk about scattering chi like mm-hmm. god you, yeah we we have to do that right now in the middle of crises yeah. and pandemics and i mean we gotta remember to laugh mm-hmm. and remind our kids to laugh and i love hearing dads talk about being goofy and, yeah. and making parenting fun oh <gasps> wait a second this is allowed to be fun i mean it's a serious job it's a serious job yeah we're raising the future of the world yes but it's too serious to be taken seriously it's too important too to be important. taken seriously or something like that no such thing as a bad dad joke no levity humor connection are vital ingredients for for parenting for life really but yeah indeed so um that i think kind of wraps us up with principles 10 11 and 12 yeah hopefully this has been a useful meaningful enjoyable series of podcasts and uh, we're looking forward to to bringing y'all more yeah looking forward to it thanks for joining us and hanging out with us hopefully you you had some fun too yeah and if you did have fun you did enjoy it it was meaningful please feel free to share it with somebody else who might like it you know you could text it to them right now text them this episode or one of the other ones or email or you could subscribe to the show so you get notifications and you could leave a rating preferably a five-star rating and uh, also feel free to email us at connect at counciloffathers.com if you have any feedback suggestions ideas questions dad jokes dad jokes yeah and help us yeah help us get the get the word out and and keep this thing going and um thank you for listening see you next time